The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not imagine that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to complete them. I tell you solemnly, till heaven and earth disappear, not one dot, not one little stroke, shall disappear from the law until its purpose is achieved. Therefore, the man who infringes even one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. But the man who keeps them and teaches them will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. It seems to me that we live in an age where, I don't know, it can almost be bigoted to to proclaim the Christian truth in its integrity. It seems too privileged, too, too, too good to be true, you know. Who are we to inherit this, this gospel? Who are we to steward something so precious as the salvation of the world? That's a big thing, and it's a unique thing. I'd like us to ponder this question, because really this helps us synthesize that problem well, in my opinion. What's bigger, really? between the universe and Christ. Because the mistake is putting Christ in a context which is bigger than him and saying, here's a whole lot of things amongst which Christ is somewhere in the middle and let's figure out how that fits together. And that's fundamentally not what Christianity is. Rather, we say, here's the universe in all its wonder and grandeur and diversity and it's just an immense tapestry that we could never hope to traverse in this life and it fits in Christ I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said God, our triune God and therefore Jesus as a person of that God is the centre and circumference of everything Every single thing. Christ is the center and the circumference of it and and all of it. This is who we believe Jesus is. This is why it's not bigoted. It's not mistaken to try and exalt the what we call the unicity of Christ. There's only one Christ. There's no other. Uh, The universality of Christ. He is for everyone. And everyone needs him. And he's there for all of them. The unity of Christ. There's one Christ. One baptism. One church. One faith. What does this mean for us as the very, very privileged inheritors of all of that oneness? It doesn't mean that we're, you know, the spoilt brats on the mountaintop and we've got the special prize that no one else got. That's not at all what it means. I've said this time and time again. Privilege in our faith functions in a very really a a way that ought to make us tremble because if we've been privileged and we have along with that privilege comes this unshakable responsibility to share that privilege that's the duty of a privileged person think of anyone in our faith who's privileged Abraham good he's a man of faith he's a righteous man 
Suddenly, he's responsible for this countless runover of heirs that he's to receive one day, of which we are counted. Think of Mary, conceived without sin, assumed into heaven. She's not dancing on the top of the mountain thinking, yeah, I got there first. No, her privilege runs over to each and every one of us because she looks at us as beloved children. She desires to share her privilege with us. Christ desires to share his privilege with us. As privileged people, it's, it's in our hearts to share this with everyone we know, isn't it? I mean, it, it stirs violently. It desires to, to go out to the world. So I think, really, we, we do need to get this straight. And I'm not just talking to us, but I'm talking to the, to the world. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to this generation. We need to understand Jesus as the Logos, you know, that eternal word of God. Augustine says that Jesus is the very doctrine of God come to us. He is the law. He is the kind of logic running through everything. The universe makes sense. Why? Because it's, it's written that way. It's written in Christ. Christ is the language of, of creation. And we know him. We know this God. He has flesh and blood like ours. He has eyes like ours. We can make eye contact with our God, the, the undercurrent of the cosmos. What a privilege. Last thing I'll say, and I, I bang on about this a lot, so I hope, it, I hope it's making sense, but I say we have a number of crises. They're not the typical crises I hear people talking about. Not that I'm more perceptive than they are, but I'm, I, I sense that we have a crisis of narrative. And what I mean by that is, we're very tempted at times to say, this is how it is. And it's just like static, it's fixed there. It doesn't, there's, n- there's no way that it can move. And again, that's not Christianity. That's not our faith. Our faith is constantly on the move. Don't we constantly refer to ourselves as a pilgrim people? We're on the move. Uh, we're transforming, we're changing, always. The fact that Christ is who Christ is, that Jesus, the historical man, the Word made flesh, the eternal Logos of God from, from, from eternity, uh, has one church, invites us into one baptism, one faith that we continue to recite every Sunday in our creeds, one Word that we press into to try and acquaint ourselves with deeper and deeper. That oneness is on the move and is drawing everything into itself. The theologian Teilhard de Chardin, French Jesuit, he spoke of Christ as the omega point. You've heard the word alpha and omega. God is the beginning, that's true. Uh, God uh, initiated all of this. But God is also standing at the end of our journey, kind of breathing us in, drawing us in to himself. He is the fulfillment of it all. If Christ is the Omega, which he is, it means that he's standing at the end of this long, long pilgrimage we make with open arms. He's standing there to gather all things into himself. He's standing there to, we use the word subordinate it to himself, but that doesn't mean to boss it around. It means he gathers it into his body. 
It fits into the order of his being. This is the Christ into whom we press this morning. And we do it principally in a wonderful and in a beautiful way at the altar. We're brought into communion, into that one host. This is the desire that we have for all God's children scattered across the universe, across time and space. Let's hold it in our prayer and let's truly press into that reality into which Christ, the one Lord, calls us to.